Welcome to Harvest Valley Worship Center's Sermon of the Week. You can discover more about our church, pastors, and special guests at hvwc.com. We hope that you are blessed by today's message. I have the honor of sharing a sermonette with you this morning. As part of MIT, this is one of the fun things we get to do, which I actually think it's fun. Alrighty, so today I get to talk a little bit about stirring up the gifts within you. And my passage is 2 Timothy 1, 6 through 7, which says, Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Now the context of this verse is so interesting to me. We're going to talk about stirring up gifts but first, what, one of the things that really stood out to me was that this gift was imparted by the laying on of hands. We did that just this morning, right? And Dave Champion, I think he released something about impartation in the house when he was here and did the impartation with the women that then went out. He didn't impart to everybody personally. He just imparted to a couple of us, and then we went out and imparted. And those, you know, and the people we imparted, imparted. It was just so beautiful and so fast. It was amazing. Um, but there, there is weight, especially in this season, but there is weight on gifts that are imparted by the laying on of hands. And, and in this case, which I also think is important, by someone that Timothy willingly submitted to. This was something that Timothy was given as equipping to walk out the call in his life and to change all of Ephesus. Excuse me. And I want to point out that this, I don't think this was, that, that this was imparted from a leader, that it was an accident, an education, or an anomaly. This is a steady pattern in the body of Christ. Um, over the decade plus that I've been here, I've watched Chris, Pastor Chris use this pattern over and over and over and over. And it makes such a difference. I've known, I've, you know, those moments when I've had something imparted to me for a role in this house or a calling on my life have been standing stone moments where I can point back and go, that was a moment where everything shifted in this part of my life, in this part of my call. It's, it's been really powerfully um, clear. So I've also been thinking lately about Timothy's assignment and what a huge one it was for him. I don't know exactly how old he was, but he was young and super stressed out. <laughs> um, but it's hard, not hard for me to imagine the overwhelm or the anxiety that he struggled with being responsible for what accounted to a mega church over a lot of small campuses in Ephesus. I mean, you think about even if he was like 25, you know, not, not 19 or whatever, but here you go. Here's Elevation Church, Timothy. Have fun with that. Um, it's no surprise to me that he had stomach trouble, needed to be trained in wisdom to lead well, and to be reminded that he had been given the gifts necessary and the authority he needed, and he was counseled in how to make the most of them. I'm, I'm grateful that I don't have an assignment like Timothy, at least at this point. <laughs> right? Although I am running out of the young part, so I'm safe there. <laughs> um, but even small assignments can seem huge if we're retaking territory in ourselves or in our communities. So if you're currently facing something you don't feel equal to, you might want to take some notes today. 
So when faced with something we don't feel comfortable with, comfortable with I have three checkpoints that will help us get some traction here. First one, you gotta wanna. You gotta wanna. That phrase stir up in the Greek is anazopyreo. It's, it's a compound word made of three roots that mean fire, alive, and again. And it's uh, one example of contemporary usage is of a horse that's running full out for all he's worth with all of his heart. Um, and, you know, in horses, for those of you who know about horses, you know this, that the desire to run is a huge part of a horse actually being able to win in a race. If the heart isn't there, even if the horse is the fastest one on the field, if there's anybody even remotely close that really, really wants it, the horse with the heart for it will win. Every time, it doesn't matter how hard the other horse is, is whipped by his jockey, the, heart, the horse that wants it will win. So you gotta wanna. And the same is true with, um, with runners. My husband runs trail ultra marathons, 50 milers in terrain like this. And as he's trained, and I've watched him, and I've talked with him, and I've learned more about that sport, it's all up here. It's all up here. Because we can do so much more than we think we can. I mean, I've seen him right after he comes in from a 50-mile race in the mountains. And he's been, right? <laughs> and, and he's exhausted, but he's not dead. He's not injured, you know, permanently. I'm like, this is amazing. I've only done a little bit of running in my life, but I've noticed that too, where it's a head game. If I believe I can and I stick it out, I do it. And if I think I can't, I'm, I've shot myself in the foot before I've even started. Right? Um, so, yeah, you got to want to. And the season that I believe we've just entered into, that decision you make where you, okay, I'm going to do this, where you honor the desire that you have in you, that commitment is key. Because that, that seals that want. And it means that, that you have momentum moving forward, even when circumstances, emotions, whatever, get out of whack. Because um, we all know, we've all been around long enough to know that new things aren't easy. What? <laughs> right? Once, I am convinced that what's coming is going to be glorious. It's going to be overflowing with God everywhere. It will be full of things we've never seen and lots of things we have seen. But there will be differences of opinion. There will be hard conversations. There will be messy misunderstandings. Um, I don't know about all y'all, but I am still really broken and imperfect. I know a lot of stuff, and I don't know a lot of stuff. And so, yeah, that commitment is what it takes to press through all the mess and all the misses and all the broken. So, and so without commitment, odds are we won't finish strong. Okay, two. You got to keep training. Just as a racehorse is built to run, we're built with all the potential necessary to run the races we're called to. And no matter how gifted, how anointed and called, we don't just know how to do these things the Lord calls us to. <laughs> and if we try before we're ready, we, we, fa we face plant and we take other people down with us. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, we've all got significant junk to work through and heal from. You know, it's part of this world. We get hurt. We get messed over. You know, and I'm just so grateful that we have a place here where we can do that in safety. Or we can, you know, mess up, 
hurt ourselves, hurt others, and heal. Because without training, without choosing to discipline ourselves, without developing strength of character and depth of heart and mind, without doing the heavy lifting of practicing humility and genuine forgiveness, we won't make it to the track at all, let alone finish well. Because horses that fight with other racers or interfere with another horse's running of the race are disqualified. Will we make mistakes? Totally. That's why training never stops. Never stops. Not for horses, not for humans. Because if you stop training, you lose the strength and ability you've built. You know, and, and I've been playing the piano since I was six. And I still have so much training to do. So much training to do. Um, I want to take a second here and, and, and just say, I know I've made some significant, some significant mistakes in my time as worship leader and that I've hurt people. And I want to say that I am so, so remorseful about that and ask your forgiveness. Because um, it's, yeah, I'm still in training. We All the leadership in this house is, Every single person in leadership here, including our lead pastor, has mentors and people that speak into his life that he's learning from who are farther down the road than he is in ministry. It never stops. You're welcome. Therefore, I remind you to strip the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And the third one, you got to take action. So what's your mission in the moment? What's ahead of you right now? What, what do you feel like? I mean, we all have the big ah, calling in the sky, right? <laughs> Where, you know, it's, it's glowing with possibilities and it's right too far out there. So what, what's your mission in the moment? What is God asking you to do? Develop the skill set that you will need that you maybe not, don't think you need in the moment, right? But what is, what is he asking you to do? When God called Moses out of hiding, he asked Moses, what do you have in your hand? And Moses said, a staff. And God told him to throw it on the ground. And what happened? It turned into a serpent. And Moses probably jumped three feet in the air. Because there weren't any harmless serpents around that neck of the woods. They were all really deadly. Um, and so then God said, well, pick it up. So he did and turned back into a staff. God will use what you have. And I guarantee he will ask you to use it in ways that make you uncomfortable. And then just to close, there were months of battle for me when I joined the worship team. Months, and, and I would say even years. Weeks where I battled the entire six days from Sunday to Sunday to not allow the enemy to keep me off the platform or to keep me from singing once I was there. <laughs> you know, to fight back all of the temptations and all of the wounding and all of the insecurities. I had to really, really trust what Pastor Chris said that I was enough. And this is with literally a lifetime of music training, countless performances in front of far larger crowds than we have here. Just because you're good at something doesn't mean operating in it under the call of God will be easy or smooth. Thanks. So you got to want to, and you got to decide you want to. You got to keep training. Be willing to go against survival instincts and get some lessons of a broken world or a broken church. Um, go against your ideas of who you are and what you should be doing right now. 
mutually cooperate with those the Lord has placed in your life to train and build you up, also known as submission, and take action. You got to want to, you got to keep training, and you got to take action. Thanks, church. Come on, that was great. No, that's awesome. You know, MIT has to produce sermonettes, and that was one of them. Uh, she did a great job. Uh, we also will have uh, more sermonettes coming. Can you adjust this thing? Because it's like, hello. Welcome to the voice of God. Because we're talking about how to hear God. Can you go ahead and put that, that up today? We're going to talk about how to hear God. Are you guys interested in how to hear God? I'm here to tell you it's easy to hear God. Okay, now for all of you experiencing unbelief right now, it's easy to hear God when you're in his presence. It is hard to hear God when you're not in his presence. We've got a, um, oh, through the course of the year, I'm going to be bringing these little one-off sermons on daily encounters. One of the things that God has for us in this next season is for each one of us to pursue a daily encounter with the living God. A daily encounter with the living God. That means where you are encountering Him in His goodness, where you are encountering Him in your home, in the car, wherever it is that God will meet with you, that is the place where you need to be. Today, I'm going to be um, using kind of as a backbone for today's message, 1 Samuel 3. We're going to look at verses 1 through 10. I'm actually going to read this out of the New Living Translation. I'm going to talk about a couple of pro tips on how to hear God. We're going to talk about some of the warnings and practical advice. Uh, we're also going to talk uh, about just this concept of hearing His voice in a little more detail. All right, 1 Samuel 3. Um, Samuel is known as the greatest prophet ever in Israel, ever. He was the, he was the a prophet that operated as a priest and a judge, both, okay? And he ushered in um, the monarchy, right? He was the first counselor to, um, obviously, to Saul and then to David and then after Samuel came the prophet Nathaniel. So um, can we, um, can you just keep playing with my microphone a little bit? I feel like now I got to kind of like project really hard. So I want to talk softly, but not blow people out. Thank you. All right. Here we go. First Samuel. Meanwhile, the, bull, the boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli. Now in those days, messages from the Lord were very rare and visions were quite uncommon. One night, Eli, who was almost blind by now, had gone to bed. The lamp of God had, yet, had not yet gone out, and Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle near the ark of God. Suddenly, the Lord called out, Samuel. Yes, Samuel replied. What is it? He got up and ran to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, Eli replied. Go back to bed. So he did. Then the Lord called out again, Samuel. Again, Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, my son. Eli said, go back to bed. 
Samuel did not yet know the Lord because he had never had a message from the Lord before. So the Lord called a third time, and once more Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? Then Eli realized it was the Lord who was calling the boy. So he said to Samuel, go and lie down again. And if someone calls again, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went back to bed, and the Lord came and called as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel replied, speak, your servant is listening. Let's pray. God, we're so grateful that you are a God who speaks. Father, we ask in Jesus' name you'd open up our ears to hear the voice within the voice. We came to meet with you, not to hear from me. So, Father, I pray that you would just begin to release over every person right now that fresh ability to hear you. Father, we thank you that you long for intimacy. You long for us to touch and to be with you. So, Father, I pray that you would awaken and just birth within us this amazing ability to hear your voice today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm going to say it again. It is easy to hear God when you are in his presence. It is hard to hear God when you are not in his presence. Many of us can hear God well. You know, I've been hearing God speak. I realized after a while, like, wow, I was hearing God when I was young, right? Like I would hear things and, and sense and feel things. I'm, I'm very much a feeler. But it's, it's, it's interesting to begin to know, wow, I'm hearing the voice of God. And for a long time, it was very confusing because I wasn't sure if it was God or if it was me or if it was as they call it, bad pizza, you know, whatever that thing was that's speaking to you today, like, what is that? Uh, you know, so I, I had this moment, and I've told this story many times. The first time I drove onto the lot here, I got out and I looked around, and a voice, it sounded like my voice, said, you're going to be the pastor here someday. And I started rebuking the devil. I was like, you don't know me. You proud, arrogant jerk. You're broken. There's no way you could, like, what are you thinking? That was the voice of God. I just didn't know it. Oftentimes, let's, let's talk about some of these um, realities or maybe some tips around. You can go ahead and hit the next slide there, Tiffany. Um, <laughs> you know, God created us to hear him. All right, so here's some tips. First off, it sounds like you. Some people are waiting to hear someone else's voice. No, it sounds like you. It's often quicker or faster than you can think. Often, you know, it can sound like a whisper, and actually it kind of sounds like it just happened behind you a little bit. Does that ever happen? Like you hear something like, wait, wait, I just picked up something back here. What was that? I, that'll happen at the altar often where I'm praying for somebody, and I just, like, feel like I'm hearing something, like, I got, well, hold on, let me just take a minute. What was that? Because I heard something, and it was kind of a whisper in the background. I got to tune my ear. It can often be felt as you hear it. You can feel it when God speaks to you. Sometimes it's a complete revelation that you didn't get through a process of learning. Like, you just are knowing something that, you didn't have to go through a process to learn it. God is, is giving you some words of knowledge or something. It's, and, you know, it's kind of like 
If you sat down to watch a movie that you've never seen before, this happens to my wife all the time, you sit down to watch a movie that you've never seen before, but you suddenly recognize all the scenes and you know all the things that are happening, you just didn't remember that you watched the movie, right? But it's like that in, in real life where you, you will pick up on things, you'll, God will be speaking to you about what's happening even though you have no clue what's going on. We, I mean, these were, those are words of knowledge and those types of, types of things. Let me, let me tell you one of the most important rules for hearing the Word of God is it always opposes the flesh. It will always resist and oppose the flesh. The Word of the Lord will always come against your selfishness. It will always come against your selfishness. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Okay, hang on. God will put desires in your heart. But there's a difference when God gives a confirmation to something in your heart. It's almost always not for you. Amen. Hallelujah, Pat. Man, that was good. Woo. Well, let's, let's think about it this way. People come up and say, you know, I, I want to start a public. I want, I, when, when, is, when can I get on a prophetic ministry team? You don't. We don't. We don't. You know, we have a serve teams. We have serve teams. You want to know where to start? Serve. You clean the bathrooms. Make the coffee. You serve. Prophesy over the chairs. Prophesy in the nursery. Prophesy over kids' church. Prophesy over the abbot. Come and serve. You feel like you've got this amazing prophetic gift, release it when no one's watching. Yeah, my ministry at Harvest Valley started with mowing the lawn, cleaning bathrooms, helping with the PowerPoints for the pastor. That's, I mean, that's all I did. I just showed up. I wasn't, I'm not professional clergy people. I thank God I didn't go to a cemetery to learn. I mean seminary, yeah, seminary. But it's not that I'm uneducated. Let's be very clear. I am not uneducated. One of the, one of the realities is that when I showed up here, I just found ways to serve. Can I help with that? Can I do that? Why? Because I want to be wherever God calls me to be, and I want to be engaged fully where God calls me. So I look for ways to serve. I would bring my two younger kids who are now married now, but, you know, I bring Bailey and Spencer with me. Um, I had them with me on the weekends, um, and they were with their mom on, during the weekdays because they were divorced. You know, I was divorced. My kids had divorced parents. My kids aren't divorced. They're, praise Jesus. I break that word, Karsty's name. So, <laughs> so, even the accidental ones, uh-uh. So, um, we, I would bring them with me every weekend, and they learned how to clean the toilets, mop the floors. They, they, we, we did all the cleaning of this entire church for years. And then Mika came along, and Mika comes with us to the church and cleans, right? And then when we went into ministry, retired Pastor Joel Swartzel and his wife, Louise, came and cleaned the church. They've been in ministry for 40 years, 
And they're like, how can I serve you? They didn't put themselves on a pedestal and go, well, because I'm so experienced, I don't, I'm above cleaning toilets. No, they actually would operate in humility and they serve. That's maturity. So what, what's this have to do with hearing God? Listen, the more you hear, I'll, I'll talk about this a little bit. The more you hear God, the more confident you become. If your humility does not increase with your confidence, you'll be arrogant. And you'll operate in the false, as a false prophet sooner or later. Whew, that was heavy. Listen, I learned to hear the voice of God as I prayed. I'd get words for chairs, for people in chairs. I'd feel something funny. Like I'd be walking by and I'd be like, there's something weird about this chair. Lord, what are you saying about this chair? God, will you speak to me about this chair? Speak to me about the person who's going to be in this chair. God, give me a word for them that would encourage them, that would build them up. I'd wait. Charlene, Charlene, you're in the chair. Just, you know, God's got this for you. I sense in my spirit God is telling me these things about you. Because here's what happened. I was walking through and praying, and that chair had a highlight on it. Okay. Giving and serving opposes the flesh. So you want to know how to hear God? Posture yourself in your life in a way that serves. Instead of having things come to serve you, you go serve it. Right? All right. The voice of God will not condemn you. Um, there's a fine line between um, the like being convicted for doing something that you know is wrong and shame. There's kind of a fine line there. And any areas of shame must be dealt with in Christ but the word is clear. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You know, in, in John 14, Jesus talks about the work of the Spirit. Or is it John 16? John 16. He talks about the, the work of the Spirit. One of the things he says is that the Spirit came to convict the world of sin and his children of righteousness. He's convicting you of what is right. He's not always convicting you of all the wrong things. Because you have the Spirit of God in you. You're aware of your failure. You're aware of where you're getting it wrong. And so when God begins to unveil, actually, here's my righteousness, you go, oh, that's not me. Come on. You look at a holy God and you realize that's not me sometimes. Would you agree? That's, that's how conviction works with God. He reveals how big and how great and how awesome he is. And you go, ah, that's not me. That's not shame. That's not condemnation. He is calling you into who he is. So there's no condemnation when he speaks. His voice will not condemn you. His voice will lead you into righteousness. Uh, another tip, just to be reminded, it requires faith. The word of the Lord will require faith. Faith and fear can't coexist. Faith and fear can't coexist. So it, he's going to require some things of you. And faith is that thing that says, I believe God, 
for the ability to follow through with the thing that God has asked me to do. When you hear the word of the Lord, it will require a greater level of faith. He will increase your faith as you hear him. Warning. Just a quick warning. Uh, Many times, if you ask God to speak to you, it won't always be convenient when he answers. Like, I just spent two hours waiting on you, God. I didn't hear anything. And the second I show up to work and I'm about to have a conversation with somebody, it's like, what? Now? Yep. Okay. All right. Let me give you some practical advice as well. Um, If you're young in the faith or you're new to this practice of hearing God, can I just tell you, don't say God told me. Please stop it with the God told me this, God told me that. It's really wisdom to say, I sense in my spirit that God is saying. Why is that important? It's important because it gives you room to be wrong. If you say God told me to every little thing, no one can challenge you and that you don't have any room to be corrected. Because if you say God told me this and I say, I don't think so. Are you saying I didn't hear God? I mean, I've had people slam their hands on tables and throw things. It's the spirit. Let me tell you this, it is really important, it is really important that you grab this. God wants to speak to you, and the mature, those who know the voice of God and have discernment, are even, they're even cautious to say, God told me. The mature are cautious to say, God told me. Most of the time when they say that, it's a deeply personal thing that they've encountered, that they've walked through with the Lord, that they've tested So get used to the phrase, I'm sensing in my spirit that God is saying X, Y, or Z. Because you need room to get it wrong. Why is that? Listen, we are all human. We are all human. None of us walk on water. Jesus is perfect theology. He nailed it. He nailed it. Every word that he spoke. How many times... Did Jesus say, God told me? He spoke clearly. He spoke succinctly. He didn't get his value because he could hear God. That's a sign of immaturity. If you think you're more valuable because you hear God, we need to increase humility. It's okay to say, I sense that God's telling me this. I do that at the altar all the time. I I sense, I feel like God's trying to say this to you, and I let them judge it. Now, there's times where I'm like, listen, this is going to come out really strong, and I feel like you really need to hear what I'm I'm saying right now. Come on, many of you know me. I don't have a problem being like, no, I believe this is the word of the Lord for you but you still get to judge it. If you don't think you can be wrong, that's pride. Everyone's wrong. Everyone misses it because everyone is human. 
There's a reason why in Scripture it says to, to have your words tested by two or three elders in the church. Why would we do that if everybody got it right every time? And let me just also say, accuracy is not an issue of false prophecy. Some people would make accuracy an issue of false prophecy. Listen, if you miss it, you are not a false prophet. False prophets desire to manipulate and deceive with their words. There's intention behind it. Most people that get it wrong are young or they've learned really bad habits over the years. But they're not false prophets. All right. It's been a long journey for me to be confident when I say that God speaks to me. Listen, he has taught me how to discern his voice. And I'm cautious to say God told me, especially in reference to anyone else. I'm very cautious. I know when God speaks to me clearly about like, mission, vision, calling, certain things. He like, man, he will download some things into me. And I still take those things and I hold them carefully and reverently before the Father. I, I, one of the reasons why I'm cautious to just tell, say all the time God, God spoke to me and God told me, God told me, God told me is because I don't want to take his name in vain. It's not about someone cussing. It's attributing something to God that he didn't say. God told me to distance myself in that relationship. No, you're avoiding conflict. Don't take the Lord's name in vain, please. Too close to home? Sorry, it got quiet. All right. I, I had a lot more intense examples of that one, but I figured, oh, that one's pretty safe. <laughs> yeah, if you hear God truly, you grow in humility. The more you hear God, the more you grow in humility. It's a sign that you are actually hearing God because humility is the first characteristic of Jesus and pride is the character of the devil. Never lose the reverence and the fear of the Lord when you do hear. All right. We need, oh, you know, one other thought that I had is that we need to, we need to grow from relying on our feelings with God. Uh, we need to move past that. That's a good start. But we need to actually begin to hear the voice of God and have greater levels of discernment. Like, I'm a feeler. Like, I feel things all the time, and I'm asking God for discernment about what I feel. I flew into Las Vegas in January of 2018 on a trip with my business at the housing agency, and I landed in, in Las Vegas. I began bawling in the airplane. I'm bawling, and I'm like, I don't understand what's going on, and I look up, and I see the mirage. This was just after the shooting there. I felt the collective grief of what was happening in the atmosphere. Okay, I feel things when I go into places. And I think, it's, I think it's important to listen, listen to the Father because he'll speak to you in how you feel, 
But if you begin to move and act and do based on all the things that you're feeling, you're going to be on a roller coaster lacking discernment concerning the will of God for your life. We need to move past how I feel into hearing the voice of God. Why is that? Why do we need to move past feelings? Because nobody takes responsibility for their feelings. No one takes responsibility for their feelings. Your feelings are just the response to something that happened to you. For most people, that's all it is. It's just a response. You don't get to take responsibility for your feelings. It's just how I feel. Well, if that's how God leaves you, you'll never be responsible to steward the word of the Lord over your life. If you're just motivated by by being moved by my feelings, you'll never steward the call of God on your life. How many say, I want an upgrade? I want an upgrade. I want to hear clearly the voice of God. I am tired of watching people get ping-ponged around in the pinball machine of life because they're going on a feeling here and a feeling here and a feeling here. And I'm like, whoa, stop. Let's wait on the Lord. Don't move. Don't do anything. Stop it. Just stand still and see who God is. Don't do another thing. I know you feel like you got to. Stop. Let's wait. Wait on the Lord. I know it's uncomfortable because you, you I got to move. No, stop. Wait on the Lord. Let us upgrade ourselves to hearing the voice of God. You will feel something. You'll know something's there, but then you take it again before the Father. Then you don't just go, I feel, so I do. Let, let me tell you, I said this a few weeks ago, and I guess it kind of, Tweak some people. Submit your prophetic words. Now, what do I mean by submit a word? I am not talking about this concept that you don't have any control over the will of your life. You're going to have to give it to somebody else if you submit it. No, it means that you offer it to somebody to let them look at it. Submit it to somebody just like you submit a letter to the editor. To see, somebody's going to judge whether they're going to publish it or not. (laughs) Get some input. Get some help. I got so excited, I untied my shoes. All right. Hmm. (laughs) Yeah, this is good stuff, isn't it? Um, I think it's really good to be led by the Lord and to feel led by the Lord. It's a great start. But I want you to know that you've heard the Lord. And I want you to know because you need to be responsible and you need to steward the word of the Lord on on your life. Let's go to the next slide. Um, We're talking about having daily encounters with God. And um, what I'll say is most people like Samuel don't know when God is talking. We just don't know when God's talking. Look with me um, um, in 1 Samuel 3, verse 1. Verse 1. It says, Meanwhile, the boy, Samuel, served the Lord. Say, serve the Lord. 
Now in verse 7, it says Samuel did not yet know the Lord. Hmm. Hmm. We can serve the Lord and not hear His voice. We have whole ministries that are built today on a program and a system. You don't need to hear God's voice to build it. I just follow the formula, and maybe people will like me enough to mega church me. No. We, we, um, we want to position ourselves because Samuel was ministering to the Lord, but he didn't know the Lord. And let me just say that God wants us to hear his voice. His sheep hear his voice. John 10, 27 says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. So what does God sound like? If sheep know his voice, what does God sound like? Well, John 16, 7 says, But in fact, it is best for you that I go away, because if I don't go away, the advocate won't come. Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice. And he says, Actually, it's better that I go away. John 16, verse 12 says, Listen, there's so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it right now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. Jesus said, I have many things that I want to say to you, but I'm not saying it. The Holy Spirit will say it. So what is, does the voice of God sound like? It sounds like the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the voice of God. You know, one of the cool things here is Samson, Samuel, not Samson, Samuel, <laughs> clearly not Samson. He was a couple chapters ago. Samson was the only one who, or Samuel, Samuel was the only one who could hear the voice. Eli couldn't hear it. Samuel was the only one who could hear the voice. God's going to speak to you the things that are for you. He's not going to give it to somebody else. He's going to speak to you. The Spirit of God will speak to your spirit, and your spirit will communicate it to your mind. Does that make sense? The Spirit of God will speak to your spirit, and your spirit will then speak it Make it alive in you. You'll, you'll like go, oh, that's, that's God. I hear my spirit is talking, but that's the spirit of God talking to my spirit. This is why we get confused. Right? Is this me? Is this God? Let me tell you, if, if you want to hear God, the Holy Spirit has to be welcomed in your life. Right? We welcome the move of God. We welcome the Holy Spirit to come and move in this place. I hear it all the time. I haven't heard God in so long. 
I, like, people will come into a worship service like, I haven't felt his presence like that in forever. What atmosphere are you creating for yourself? What atmosphere are you in? This isn't just about the church. What about your home? Is the Holy Spirit welcoming your home? Is the Holy Spirit welcoming your car? We've been prayed this this morning, and is you know I heard Pastor Landon, a uh, friend of friend of ours in Fort Worth, say this. He says, we don't just invite God into the room; we give Him the room. We just give Him the room. We invite Him in our house, and we give Him the house. It's all His, Amen. It's all His. All right, the last point here is, is position yourself to encounter God. Samuel's place was where the ark was. You know the ark? Also called the presence. Where the presence of God dwelt between the mercy seats on the ark. Where was Samuel sleeping at night? In the presence. Samuel was at the ark. Verse 3, the lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle near the ark of God. And then Samuel, Samuel, can I just say you will create an atmosphere for what you value. You know what, guys? Some of us have a shop. Some of us have a garage with some tools or a storage unit or something we keep our goodies in. Some guys got a man cave. Women. So I know women who've got a whole floor of their house dedicated to crafts. <laughs> Where's Lois? You know, well, you know, whatever it is, right? We set aside space for the things that we value. What kind of space are you making for God? Find a place to be alone with God, to stop, to listen, to encounter. Let me just tell you, if you only make room to encounter God when you come to church in your life, if you only make room to encounter God when you come to church, whether that's once a week or once a month or twice a year, we can have our hearts grow cold and we get calloused to the presence of God. Make space every day to encounter God. Every day to encounter God. Make room in your schedule. Make an appointment. We make appointments with people we don't even like. Make an appointment with the Lord. And I love at Mount Sinai, um, they show up in Exodus 19, they show up at Mount Sinai, and this is where God um, says, hey, I'm, Moses comes and meets with him, and God says, okay, I'm going to come meet with the, I'm going to come down, I'm going to meet with the people. They need to go cleanse themselves. Give, I'll give you three days. You know what God was doing? He was set an appointment. 
to meet with the people. God set an appointment. Right? The Lord said to Moses in Exodus 19.9, I'm going to come to you in a dense cloud so that the people will hear me. So that the people will hear me speaking with you and will always put their trust in you. When you hear the voice of God, you can operate in faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the the word of God. He then tells them, go and consecrate them today and tomorrow. Wash your clothes. Be ready by the third day. On that day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in sight of all the people. Guys, missed appointments lead to disappointments. Missed appointments lead to disappointments. A life without making appointments with God will lead to a disappointing life. We create space for the experiences that we want to have. Liz Meek and I have set aside some space upstairs in our house next to Quinn's room. It's this little nook area. I do my, my Jesus hobby, like producing fun music that I like. I don't know if anybody else likes it. I like it. It's fun to me. And we love the way it feels up there. And we, it's like our little Jesus place. I find myself, the Lord waking me up every morning way earlier than I want to. Every morning, he wakes, wakes me up earlier. And I'm like, come on, Jesus. Can we, can we like, get a full eight, please? No. I got to go upstairs. I'll make my coffee. And I just truck up the stairs every morning now and get my Jesus place. There's a dimmer on the light switch. Get my Bible out. Get my journal. Spend time with Jesus. I, I want to hear, I want to listen, and I, I want to journal what I'm hearing. I want to experience whatever God has for me up there, including what, what the Lord's speaking to me from the Scriptures. I, I want to be really clear, this is not about performance. This is about making space for what you value. We must encounter God daily. We must allow the voice of God to be what moves us. When Samuel recognized that that voice that he was hearing was God, he he responded with, speak, Lord. Go ahead and hit the next slide. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Will you stand with me? Come on, Father God, I'm asking in Jesus' name that you would awaken deep within each of us a hunger to hear your voice, that we would be the people of God that have set themselves apart 
to you, to cry out to you, to call on you, to listen to you. Father, I pray that there would be moments that are holy for each person here, that they would be hungry to seek time, to find ways to get alone with you, to encounter your goodness, to encounter your love, to encounter your power. God, that you would reveal your goodness to us. We break every excuse that has come against spending time with God. You are not too busy. That's a lie. You do have enough time. You make time for what you value. And God, we value you above everything else. We put you first in our lives. We value you more than riches. We value you more than provision. We value you more than possessions. We value you more than the relationships that we have on this earth. God, we need you. We want you. Hallelujah. Father, I pray that as we go through our day, we would say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. When we're not clear on what to do, we would say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. That when we're feeling tested and tried and we're feeling like we might even fail, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. May your voice guide and direct every person in this room into the freedom and the healing and the life that you have for them. Father, that they would not be tossed to and fro any longer, that they would no longer be unclear about what you're saying. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Speak, Lord, your servants are listening. Come on, God's been trying to speak to each one of you. Some of you have your ear tuned very well to the heart of God and to what he is saying. I'm releasing an upgrade over your ability to hear God today. Put your hands on your ears. Put your hands on your ears and say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. commit our lives to encountering you daily. Daily. If you can get daily, you'll get to moment by moment. Don't discount daily. Because you're, oh, we're supposed to do it moment by moment. Don't discount this. Daily set aside opportunities to encounter his voice. Father, I ask right now in Jesus' name that you would break every chain. Every bondage. The enemy, the last thing the enemy wants is a full, fed, hungry church. One that's feasting on your goodness while pursuing your presence.
for many of you, you've not felt that you've been worthy to come in the presence. Just ask Him to forgive you. Recommit your life to Jesus. Recommit. Say, God, I know I've blown it, but I'm coming again. God, I know I've missed it, but I'm coming again. I will not let shame and condemnation, the voice of the devil, prevent me from coming to you again. Father, will you tune our ear to the voice of the Spirit that we might discern your Spirit's voice. Jesus, we love you. Holy Spirit, we love you. We bless you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for coming and being our partner in this life. Thank you for coming and being, being the one who we get to abide with as we go moment by moment, as we encounter you daily. Lord, tune our ear. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Come on, will you all say it with me? Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Bless you. Thank you for joining us today. Harvest Valley Worship Center is called to be a refuge for healing and a launch pad for transformation. If this message impacted you today, please let us know in a comment, or you can email us at media at hvwc.com. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to connecting with you.